intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you and welcome to another episode of the dog on a trucking podcast you know we are all judged by the company that we keep. And this week's guest, I'd be happy if I could be judged with him. All right, so let's bring in Alex Bougea from Frontline Commercial Vehicle Services. What I would somewhat say is a competitor, but not really. When Well, when we have in the trucking industry, the trucking people listening will understand this. Those that are good competitors, you're proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with. And then there's the other competitors that you don't want to be associated with. And uh, frankly, I'm happy to have you on the show. Hi, Alex, how are you? Good, Chris, thanks very much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, agree 100%. I mean, you know, it's always fantastic to align yourselves with like-minded folks. So really happy to be on here with you. Right, honestly, there's enough business out there um, for all of the good safety consultants, and there's many of them that are good safety consultants that can assist. Uh, you know, and I just wish the other safety consultants weren't part of the industry. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, there's always room for for folks like yourself who do really good work, and you know, as I'm sure we'll get through over the show, we bring very different backgrounds and different perspectives. So there's always opportunities to sort of leverage our different backgrounds and our different skills for the betterment of the industry. So it's, it's too bad there's individuals out there who don't take the same approach sometimes, but, you know, I guess it is what it is. It is what it is. Now, that's a nice segue into your background. Uh, you know, real brief, mine's on the trucking side of it. I was in the safety and compliance department and then worked for an insurance company. What's your background? Yeah, so my background was with the uh, enforcement side and the government side. So I spent uh, about 13 years with the Ontario Ministry of Transportation. Um, I started in the enforcement program on road as an officer. So I started actually at the Windsor scale, where I became certified to do the inspections and, and do uh, commercial vehicle enforcement. I spent about three years down in Windsor uh, working there on the 401 uh, before moving up to the Putnam scales just outside London. I uh, spent about another three years there and then moved on to the uh, Waterloo District Office, where I moved into the audit program. So uh, during my time in Waterloo, I was basically doing facility audits of carriers uh, all across south, uh, southwestern Ontario. Uh, and I, I did that for about an additional four or five years. And then I concluded my career with the Ministry of Transportation by moving into St. Catharines, the, uh, the head office. So I worked in the carrier enforcement program office there. and. Um, Spent some time overseeing training and development and spent some time overseeing the audit program. So, uh, you know, that's a little bit about my background. It's sort of a, a diverse cross section across the enforcement program here in Ontario. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit about me and, and sort of what I bring to the table. Well, I think in, you're right. It's absolutely hugely different. So to recap, you, you are a CVSA or sorry, you were a CVSA instructor, so you're working right at the scales, crawling under the trucks. And then you got into the audit enforcement program, 
And so you were actually performing audits. Yeah. So for the listeners, he might know something about the audit <laughs> program then, if you needed help. Uh, just, I, I'm, I'm suggesting perhaps, you know. Yeah, ahead. yeah. <laughs> you know, certainly having done done the, the audit program for a while, both sort of as the frontline officer and overseeing the program, you know, I do bring that perspective to the table. So uh, one of the things, you know, that I can help out with is sort of understanding what that individual is looking at, what they're thinking when they come into your place of business, um, you know, having sat in that role. Same thing on the side of the road, you know, what, what that officer is looking at when they're screening your trucks coming through the scale, uh, what's going through their mind when they're interacting with your drivers in your vehicle, and just, you know, little little tips and tricks to help you move through the process as seamlessly as possible and avoid any unintended hiccups that may arise. Well, that, and as I say, you, I think you said you concluded your career at MTO uh, looking after the training. And was that training of the new officers on the scales and in the uh, audit program? Yeah, it was a little of both. So I was uh, okay. a basic training instructor uh, for a couple of uh, topics. So I instructed uh, hours of service, trip inspection, uh, a few of the basics to, to new recruits who are coming into the program. And then was also, like you mentioned, Chris, a, a certified CDSA instructor. So that's where I was certified by the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance to instruct the driver and vehicle courses for the new officers who are looking to be certified to do the uh, the level one North American inspection. And then a number of years ago, you and a couple other people, I'm sure you'll introduce us to your partners in a sec, uh, but you decided it was a good good decision uh, to leave MTO and start your own uh, company, go out on your own. Yeah, so we, we made that decision back in 2016. So initially there was two of us that left, uh, myself and uh, Bud Neller, who is, is also an ex-MTO officer. Uh, so the two of us uh, decided to leave MTO right at, towards the end of uh, summer 2016, and, and we founded Frontline at that time. And sort of where our thought process was around that is, is we'd accumulated a lot of knowledge and experience that we thought could be a benefit to the industry. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you're in government, because, uh, you, you know, you can't certainly show preference to certain organizations or you're bound around certain restrictions, um, there's not the opportunity to engage with the industry the way uh, I'm free to do now. So we thought there was an opportunity to share our knowledge and, and we ventured out on our own. Um, and, you know, knock on wood so far, we've been lucky and it, it's worked out pretty well. Um, we've also had been lucky in the sense that we've been able to bring on a few other folks um, from various governmental sectors as well to help support us over the past couple of years. So that's sort of how we've come about to where we are today. And I know that one of those um, new additions, I say new, uh, it's been with you for quite some time already, but he's uh, out in Alberta. So you have an office in Alberta. Tell us about that and how did that come about? Yeah, so we were fortunate enough to bring uh, Alf Brown on board with us. So Alf, uh, you know, I knew from my time in St. Catharines, having worked with him in the Carrier Enforcement Program office here in Ontario, um, you know, Alf left and went out to Alberta, uh, which was a big loss for the Ontario program and a big benefit for Alberta. And he took on a position as the Director of Vehicle Safety with Alberta Transportation. So when Alf was, uh, you know, ready to retire. We we certainly reached out to him and, and brought him on board, and he's been supporting us out in Western Canada, 
um, with a lot of the you know the rules regulations around uh, commercial vehicle safety in the Western provinces. Um, Alf has also gone ahead and gotten himself certified as a third-party auditor in Alberta. Um, so he is he's now qualified to do the the third-party audits out there. Uh, the Alberta regime is a bit different than MTO. They can have people like you and I performing yeah. the audits. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Ontario hasn't shown any move to move towards that model, but certainly Alberta has been following that for quite a few years. So we're happy to have uh, Alf on board to do that. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny. It, the one piece of that model that I'm not, uh, I, I wish Ontario would do part of that because I would love to be able to uh, work for MTO and do audits. Uh, the one part that I kind of disagree with that Alberta does is, as far as I understand, because you have Alf out there, you'd know um, that you can do the audit and then you can also work for that client later to help them clean up. Yeah, so I think, you know, and I don't don't quote me on this because I'm not fully versed as much as Alf is, but I, I believe there are some restrictions that they've enacted because I think there were some concerns in that area where, you know, if you were delivering the audit and then consulting, there may be a conflict of interest in that area. So, um, you know, I do know certainly on the new carrier entrance uh, reviews, so that's separate to the third-party audit program, there are restrictions on being able to work with the carrier uh, if you've engaged somebody to do a, a new carrier review. And, you know, for those of you who may not be aware, Alberta has a new carrier review program where if you obtain your safety fitness certificate, Within six months, you have to apply for one of these reviews done by, again, a certified third party. Um, so in that case, there are restrictions around working with the, the carriers. And you bring that up, I've, and not that I want to spend a lot of time on that, but I heard Ontario is has mulled that over as well. Have you heard the same? Yeah, I've heard that. And I know they took a number of steps, you know, the initial steps years ago before I left, um, where they introduced the commercial vehicle uh, safety manual, operator safety manual, which I know you're very uh, well-versed with, Chris, um, as sort of that, that first step. And then that new entrance, uh, the NEEP exam that, that new carriers have to do at drive test. Um, so those were the initial steps. You know, um, I, I know there's always been discussion around, you know, how to make the oversight and the education of new carriers more robust. Um, you know, where that takes us in the future, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I really think that um, we could do more for the new new entrants in the way of education, explaining their responsibilities, even the test um, for the new CVR to get a new CVR of thirty questions. I think it is, and, and thirty two bucks is not. It's not very tough. Um, believe it or not, I wrote it several times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you know, there are certainly room. There is certainly room for improvement. Um, you know, like you said, I think especially with with folks who are trucking is not necessarily their primary core business, right? You know, I know I know you've worked with lots of folks like that where uh, it's almost a necessary evil. You know, you're you're using regulated vehicles to support your primary business, whether that's landscaping, plumbing, uh, all types of things. So. You know, those industries in particular, not to, to pick on anyone, it's just, you know, your focus is elsewhere. So the more we can do to help those folks understand the roles and responsibilities around operating commercial vehicles, the better, and, and the better it is for everybody who's using the roadways. So, 
I think uh, uh, there's certainly opportunity there. Yeah, sometimes it's unfortunate the fellow with the pickup truck that he doesn't even understand registered gross weight and he registers it for a number that he thinks this is good and all of a sudden right, he gets right. dinged. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's tough. It's tough because it's almost more complex in those those situations where you're in a vehicle where you're popping in and out of the, the regulated program um, based on the usage. You know, there's exemptions uh, for personal use pickup trucks you know, to allow folks to use maybe their one pickup truck for business purposes during the week where they are regulated. And then, you know, you can go ahead and pick up groceries on the weekend where you're not. Um, so understanding how that works for you can be ex extremely complex. So in, in a funny way, sometimes those lighter duty vehicles, the regime is almost a little bit tougher for those folks uh, because there's so many exemptions and, and sort of tools that you have to navigate to, to get the most benefit out of your vehicle. Uh, and I was talking to one officer. I think this is kind of a funny story. And he said he stopped a pickup truck with a lawnmower in the back, and it was a landscaper, but it was on a Friday night. And the landscaper right. had no hours of service. And he said, no, no, I'm just taking my lawnmower to the cottage to cut the grass. <laughs> and the officer's going, do I believe you or not? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, the way those exemptions are written, it, it's uh, it's really tough to to sort of make that distinction on the side of the road. I mean, I always say to folks, the clearer you can make it, you know, whether it's documenting something or carrying something with you, the, the easier you're going to make it on yourself if you do get pulled over to try and explain and justify why it is you're using the exemption. Because it's, it's a tough distinction. I mean, you know, if you're uh, uh, a fencing or a deck company and you're, you've got a bunch of wood in the back and you're building your own deck, you know, making that judgment call on the side of the road can be really challenging for me to, to know whether it's for business purposes or not. And, you know, one of the things people may not realize is the way the law is structured is the onus to prove the exemption falls on the individual. So, um, you know, yes, it's up to the officer to prove a violation is taking place, but then it's up to the individual to prove that an exemption is taking place. So it's, kind of a tough one, you know. Um, like I said, the more you can do to sort of justify how you fall into that exemption, it's going to make your life a lot easier in the long run. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I mean, the landscapers were picking on a little bit. Tow towing operations are relatively yep. new to CVOR as well, uh, although they've got their exemptions. I've got a couple of towing clients, and I keep forgetting when I say, oh, how, how are you handling hours of service? No, no, Chris, we're exempt, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's interesting to see. I mean, the towing regime, I guess, that's been around for a few years now. It's hard to believe. Time flies. Um, you know, I think that came in right around 2016 as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's understanding how these various vehicles fall in and, and what exemptions they can take care of. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, one of the things people may not know as well is there were recent changes to the HTA around uh, electronic record keeping um, to, to better support the ability to do electronic audits and things like that. So, um, you know, that's another area where if you're working to keep up to date on, on what's going on in the industry from a regulatory standpoint, um, you know, Chris, as I know you're very much aware, the MTO has started to move to some electronic audits. So, you know, correspondingly, they've made changes to the law that allow for that. Um, so it's really important that you're prepared in that, in that instance if that were to happen. 
Have you uh, been able to assist clients through an electronic audit? If so, how did it go? So I I have not had the pleasure of assisting uh, through an official electronic audit. Um, You know, with the wonderful COVID world we're in right now, um, we've actually moved to doing some electronic audits ourselves from a from a mock audit perspective, which um, sort of would help prepare for an official electronic audit. Um, and there are some there's some benefits and some challenges to that, obviously. Um, you know, no different than paper, the better organized you are in terms of how you're organizing your electronic files is going to make that process so much easier. Um, you know, one of the challenges would be if you are still keeping everything in paper, transitioning that into electronic, you know, maintenance records, for example, that that can be a pretty big undertaking. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be a bit of a learning curve for everybody. How about yourself? Has it? Well, I've, I've assisted um, right now two voluntary audits. Uh, so, uh, and they both went well, thank goodness. Um, but it is, it's a challenge because there's no personal relationship. The officer doesn't get to see the facilities, for instance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, that was a big piece of when you were an auditor going in, you know, you get a feel for the organization, for the individuals when you come in, um, just in terms of, you know, the organizational layout, um, you know, how organized everything is, and it gives you a sense of comfort or, you know, to be frank, the opposite, depending (laughs) on what you're encountering. Uh, during that audit. So I can imagine that's a real challenge during the electronic process. Yeah. Now, just, well, I got you. Before we, we're going to switch subjects in just a minute, but um, I want to know if you, what you know about ASRA and, and has it, I'm sure you've heard of it, the Alternative Safety Risk Assessment for Voluntary Audits. Um, how is it moving along with your connections at MTO? I'm looking for some insight scoop here. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of uh, inside information. You know, I, I know it's come about. I mean, we've been involved in completing a few of the uh, the ASRA uh, responses. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, my understanding is it started out as a pilot program and whether or not it's going to continue into a more formal program, I'm not fully aware. Um, you know, from our perspective and the few that we've done, um, it's worked, you know, pretty well. Um, I think one of the big things is obviously it's always incumbent on the individuals who are responding to that to make sure uh, that they're doing so in a in a uh, you know truthful and upfront manner. So um, you know it's it's certainly got its benefit, I think, and it's got its place. Um, so we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I was excited about Azra when I first uh, got involved because. What I mean, as a taxpayer, um, mm-hmm. all the, all of these voluntary audits that are being forced upon carriers by the insurance companies, basically, are taking resources away from, uh, you know, th- we're not spending our taxpayer dollars really well when we're auditing good companies because the insurance company doesn't like a conditional rating, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know... Where, like you said, where this is a, a really good tool is, you know, somebody who's failed an audit back in 2006, you know, 15 years ago, they've been running a really good operation since. And for whatever reason, they just have not gotten around to passing a voluntary audit to, to get rid of that conditional rating. And, 
you know, their, their CBOR metrics aren't presenting any risk. And really, at the end of the day, it's just this label that they need to get rid of. So from that perspective, I agree with you. You know, the Azure is a really, really good tool uh, to, to better allocate resources where they're needed. You know, there's, there's more than enough carriers out there, unfortunately, um, that, you know, need that oversight, that need that, that touch point with the ministry. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, that, that's a good place to use the resources. Yeah, um, I've had a conversation within the last several weeks with um, the fellow who I believe is in charge of ASRA. And it's not going away yet. Um, it seems to be good. going right along. Um, and, of course, you, you probably know who I'm talking about when I say he lives here in Hamilton as well. I found out. I didn't realize that. But, uh, anyways, that'll remain under the table. But Because we were actually having a conversation about um, – I sent CBUR an email, and uh, he was the one that responded. And, of course, I knew that he was in charge of it. So one thing led to another. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Frontline commercial vehicle solutions. What yes. services do you, Bud, Elf, and the rest of your team offer? Yeah, so we, we offer a variety of services, obviously. Um, you know, I would say our core services are the traditional, you know, what I would refer to as the traditional consulting services. So things like uh, mock audits, you know, driver training, driver meetings, uh, those types of things are, are sort of a, a big core piece of our business. Um, we also do then offer some support around regulatory interpretations, development of um, you know, safety manuals, that type of thing. Um, so those sort of fall into our more core traditional uh, consulting services. Um, we also do have another branch where we do um, sort of help folks, particularly from the United States, become more familiar with operations in Canada um, and help them understand, you know, as they venture into the Canadian market, what the differences are, um, you know, how obviously, you know, down there because it's federally managed with FMCSA, and we're all provincially regulated here through the various NSCs and, you know, CBOR, it's quite different. So we do spend, you know, quite a bit of time with helping folks navigate, you know, even some Canadian companies, the, the various differences through through the provinces as you, as you work your way across the country. I'm smiling. Uh, for the people who are just listening to this, I'm smiling and starting to laugh because I'm thinking of June the 12th. Um, and how it may yeah. affect our American friends. Do you want to uh, elaborate on what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've got the ELD mandate coming about here in Canada. Um, you know, yes, the United States has had it for quite some time, over, over two years now. Uh, or sorry, I should say coming up on two years where the full, year, full ELD mandate has been in place. But, um, you know, the fact that we require third, certified third-party devices here is going to be uh, a big change. Um, from what's accepted in the U.S. And then, um, so, you know, American carriers will obviously have to make sure that their devices are certified for use in Canada. And then folks here, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, if you're not ready, it's going to be a big, uh, big adjustment. Yeah, for Canadian-only companies, now, sorry, first of all, this is a federal regulation. Um, have you heard yet when Ontario might enact the regulation for Ontario-only companies or other provinces 
may enact for intra-provincial companies? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about Ontario. I know they, they did sort of a pre-consultation um, reach out. I think they issued a survey back in uh, February through the regulatory registry um, where they, they gathered some feedback on how they were, you know, to guide their approach for, for managing uh, an ELD mandate for, you know, carriers that solely operate within the province. But in terms of next steps, I haven't heard anything specific. In terms of the other provinces, you know, the only thing I've really heard of, which I'm sure you're aware of, Chris, was the announcement that came out of Quebec, um, where Quebec indicated, you know, they're not going to be in a position to uh, enforce an ELD mandate until they update their regulations sometime in 2022. Um, but beyond that, we're kind of all waiting with bated breath to hear, you know, what's going to be happening in all the other provinces. Now, I did read, now this is obviously unofficial, when I say, I read in a trucking uh, magazine um, that, MT, or sorry, that Ontario had two readings of an ELD bill, and it only takes three for it to be enacted in law. Um, and I was, the article said basically they cut and pasted the federal rig. But there was no enforcement dates mentioned in the article, like, it, it sounded to me like Ontario was ready to jump on it as soon as they decided it was time. But as you know, and we're in a health situation now, I think all the government resources or several of them are distracted, um, taking care of necessary things. Um, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but damn, I'm glad I'm not a politician right at the moment because you can't win for losing. But um, have you heard that as well, that, Ontario is ready um, when they decide the right time? Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough one. So I think, you know, and I could be mistaken on this. There, I did remember there was a, a bill brought forward, and I can't remember if it was actually a private member's bill um, that was brought forward by, by the Ontario government around ELDs and updating, you know, Section 190 of the Highway Traffic Act, which deals with hours of service. Um, but I, I haven't really heard anything more on what the status of that is, and I haven't even heard if that is going to be sort of the intended path forward or if that's going to be, you know, a, a different approach. Um, you know, I, I can say from my time having been sort of in government, there would be also a lot of work need to, that needs to be done to Regulation 55506. Uh, the hours of service regulation would need significant updates as well to, to support you know, the, the ELD mandate. So I'm not sure, you know, whether, whether, like you said, Chris, that's just sort of waiting in the wings until the regulatory work is done and then they'll enact everything at some point in the near future. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, going back to your scale enforcement days, um, if a truck rolls over uh, up to the scale, a federally regulated carrier after June the 12th, and never yep. mind that there might be soft enforcement or whatever happens. We, there's a lot of questions we don't know yet. Um, but assuming that it's a hard enforcement date, so on June the 12th, truck rolls up. They don't have a, an approved ELD in their truck. If in Ontario the Highway Traffic Act hasn't been amended yet, what tools do do the officers have that you know of? Great, great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, that that's going to present, 
you know, uh, a challenge. And it's, it's one of the conundrums we're in right now where, you know, I get asked, well, what happens in Ontario as of June 12th? Because um, here in Ontario, we've always only enforced Regulation 55506 and the Highway Traffic Act. Um, we haven't historically enforced uh, the MVTA, the Motor Vehicle Transport Act, or the federal uh, hours of service regulation. So, you know, um, without knowing what direction they're going in, you know, if I were to say, based on what happened in the past, you know, where it's solely enforced through the Highway Traffic Act and 55506, um, those would need to be updated to, to provide enforcement with the tools for, for full enforcement. So there may be other things in the works I'm not aware of, um, but yeah, it, it's certainly a challenge. Well, I just, as I say, you, just to remind our listeners your answer, uh, you've been out of the government circles since 2016? Yep. So uh, you don't have any inside knowledge. I was just wondering, uh, because every ticket I've ever seen is always written based on the Highway Traffic Act. I didn't even know that. So you you said, if I heard you correctly, that the officers could possibly enforce federal regulations? Theoretically, um, it's not okay. something that's been done done in Ontario. Um, so, for example, in the western provinces, there is a distinction between uh, how they enforce on provincial carriers versus how they enforce on federally regulated carriers. And for federally regulated carriers, they'll issue offenses under the federal legislation. That's not something historically that's happened in Ontario, um, but that's not to say that that couldn't change. Um, you know, but I would caution anyone from taking the approach of, ah, you know, we're going to be okay. You're, you're going to want to just assume June 12th, you know, yes, there's soft enforcement. We, we understand that, but, you know, work towards getting ready as soon as possible. It's we're heading into interesting times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's there's a lot of unknowns around this right now, so it's it's going to be an interesting transition. And here we are, uh, late April, recording this. Um, it, we're only really just weeks away from June the twelfth, and we have a lot of questions. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you know, I know you're aware that one of the big questions out there is there's none, no devices that are certified as of, as of this moment right now, right? Uh, there's been nothing posted as a certified device for Canada. So I know that's, that's creating a lot of concerns for, for folks out there. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see stuff come out in the near future, but that certainly um, is an added challenge for folks as we move into June 12th. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've had any conversations with uh, some of the providers, but I, I have, and several of them have told me, we submitted, and at least one of them is more than eight weeks ago, and they still haven't heard a word. Uh, and I checked the, the site probably like you do, and nobody's approved yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've talked with a few providers as well, and I know there's been some, um, you know, challenges on, on their end as well. So, you know, they're, they are working through the process and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, it'll be interesting to see once the first one hits, hits the list, so to speak, hits the approved list, whether sort of that opens the floodgates, right? We, we see the, the one hit there and then uh, we, we see it roll out a little more frequently from then on, but time will tell. It'll be interesting. 
Now, I know uh, Frontline is based in Kitchener. Do you, what boundaries do you have, if any, of uh, a service area? So we, we've actually worked all across Canada. Um, so we are, we are based in Kitchener, but um, we've serviced clients, um, you know, right out to Vancouver Island. Um, so uh, it's, you know, geography obviously uh, does play a part in sort of what we can offer, but we're always willing to work with clients to find solutions. Um, in this new online world that we're in, it certainly opens up a lot of, a lot of possibilities. Um, so yeah, you know, we've, we've been lucky in that sense and that we've had a chance to, to work with people really all across the country. Uh, it's, it's really neat. And, uh, we can nowadays literally work with people right across the country. So for our listeners and watchers, if you need an XMTO officers, uh, on your side, or if you need what was formerly an an MTO officer who then went on to run Alberta's uh, equivalent of MTO on your side, you might want to reach out to Frontline, Alex and, and the group. Alex, last word. What would you? Did we cover everything that you wanted to get out today to the to our listeners and watchers? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I just, you know, like I said earlier, Chris, it's, it's great to, to have the opportunity to sit down with you and chat through this. And it's always a pleasure to to sit down with folks like yourself, who I know, you know, are passionate about this and, and really bring a lot to the table and have a ton of knowledge in this area. So uh, I really appreciate it. It's, it's, been, it's been fun. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And as I say, I love to be associated with other like-minded people. And I think that's where you and I are. Um, so I appreciate Alex coming on the show. I appreciate Frontline for uh, agreeing to appear on the show. And hopefully everybody learned a little bit more about Alex and Frontline Commercial Vehicle Solutions. I hope you loved the show as much as I did. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much. And I do really appreciate it your time. And join us again next week for another exciting interview.